beautiful, beautiful. Well, DSM, talk to me. How are we feeling tonight? That was so weak. All right, let's try that again. DSM, how are we feeling tonight? There we go. There we go. That's the DSM I know. Um, for those of you who haven't had the chance to meet yet, like I said, my name's Victor. I'm part of the junior high team, and I love this place. I love DSM. I started coming here when I was in seventh grade, started coming to DSM, came to the retreats, came to Desperation Conference, came every week Wednesday night because I love this place. This place has a rich culture of worship, a rich culture of connecting and making relationships and a rich culture of serving. And I love being a part of it. I love getting to even just participate. But it is an honor to get to speak to you all today. How many of y'all have been to DSM in the past like two, three, four weeks? Like let me see a show of hands. Okay, okay. Well, if your hand is raised, then you know we've been in a series um, called what? Oh, nice. And some of you even have the attitude behind it, but since not all of you caught it, it's Jesus said what. So let's all say it together, but we got to say it with like the attitude. Jesus said what. So let's try that on three. One, two, three. That's right, that's right. So we're in the series, Jesus Said What? And we're taking a look, as a youth ministry, we're taking a look at Matthew 5 and more specifically the Beatitudes. Everyone say the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Now, I'm going to kind of set the, the context a little bit. I know Pastor David and Pastor Tim, and they've already kind of set the context. But I'm going to kind of reaffirm it for those of you who are just joining us. Do we have any first-time visitors to DSM? Where are we at? Hey, guys, welcome. Welcome. So good to have you all. Well, sweet. I'm not singling you out, but I'm going to catch us up on the context just for you three. Is that okay? Awesome. So, okay, here we go. So Matthew 5 is otherwise known as the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone say Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. So this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's had his 12 disciples. He's got them following him. And there's a crowd that comes to hear the teachings of Jesus. So Jesus, because he probably had some Colorado blood in him, <laughs> went to a mountain to speak. And I, that's not geographically true. But I guarantee Jesus made the mountain so he wanted to teach on them nice mountains. You know what I'm talking about? So Jesus gets up on the mountain and he gives probably the longest recorded um, message that we have from Jesus. So whatever he's about to say is really important. Now I kind of want to set it in the context of, of a larger frame, like what is the point of the Beatitudes? What's kind of the point of like the whole Sermon on the Mount? So we kind of get an idea of where we're going so we can all be on the same page. So, so the Sermon on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes that we're studying as DSM is really Jesus painting a picture, giving an illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. Now, we're all Americans here, or maybe most of us, I know maybe not, some of us are like maybe from the islands, maybe. Uh, yes, sir! <laughs> and you're like, and you're not like from America, you're Hispanic. That's right, but I'm not born in Mexico, born in Oklahoma City, so I'm super, I'm like a coconut, like a little dark on the outside, but all white on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, gosh, shouldn't have done that. Sorry, Pastor David. If you get an email from a parent, send it to me. That was, that was my bad. My bad. <laughs> so anyway, so Jesus is painting a picture uh, of what it's like to live in the kingdom. Now, in any kingdom or in any government, in any country, there's certain values. There's a certain way of living. There's a certain culture. And Jesus in Sermon on the Mount is pointing out what is kingdom culture. Like we have American culture. And Jesus is showing what is kingdom culture. So if you have your Bible, who brought their Bible? Maybe like give it, raise it in the air. See a lot of phones, man. Natberg, I see you with that Bible. Come on, let's go. Yeah, most of y'all got your phones. I'm not going to judge you, but whatever. All right, so if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. 
And for those of you who don't have your Bible, just listen to it. We didn't have it on the screen, so you don't get to read it because you didn't bring your Bible. All right, here we go. Ooh, we savage up here in New Life Junior High. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, so Matthew 5. Let's take in the scripture. Check into this. Tune in, lean in. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And on verse 9, this is where we're going to land tonight. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Father, I thank you for the authority that is in your scripture. <laughs> God, we, a lot of us open the scripture every day. A lot of us hear your scripture and your word weekly. And it would be so easy to make this a light thing. But God, hearing from the very word of God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit among us, this moment is no small moment. This moment is no small moment. God, I thank you that you're here. And that it's not my words that's going to move any hearts tonight. God, these students, my friends here, we, we don't need any gimmicks. We don't need a personality. We don't need a stage. We don't need hype tonight. All we need is you. God, what we're truly asking for tonight is that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer. So we say, come Holy Spirit. We say, come. Your kingdom come and your will be done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And DSM said, amen. amen. DSM, have you ever been in a moment at some point in your life where you just felt the tension, like, like the tension, like that's tangible in a room. Kind of like, I'm kind of like talking about like maybe like you're like just chilling like with your family, with your siblings, and like your parent like comes down the stairs and you can just tell in their face like someone did something. Like, you guys like kind of tracking with me? Like, like I can be chilling with, you know, my, my little brother Mateo and my sister Michaela. Like we can be like chilling in the living room and my mom can just come down and it's like before she even says a word, you're just like, oh man. Oh man, like you just like, you know something's coming, then your brain starts going through like, what did I do? What did I say? What did I forget to do? What did I not say? Like it's all those kind of things. Like has anyone ever been in that kind of moment before? Like is this making sense? Yeah, that moment of tension. I know for me, um, I'm a middle child. Do we have any middle children in here? <laughs> of course you would scream, you're always looking for attention. I, I get you, I get you. No, I, I, I feel you. So I have, a, I have an older brother Augustine, so imagine me with facial hair, you found him. And then I have, you know, my older sister Michaela, she's beautiful, she's amazing. And then I have my younger brother Mateo, a lot of you all know Mateo. Um, you wouldn't think he's younger because he may be three years younger, but he's three inches taller. You know what I'm talking about? So it's humiliating for me, but that's all right. 
it, it, I got no appreciation for that, but that's all right. Thanks for, your, thanks for your sympathy. But I mean, like, I grew up with this, like, this, like, tension that was almost constant because my older brother, Augustine, like, he's an amazing man of God, but, like, you know, he, he's like an oldest child, like, kind of likes to assert his dominance a little bit. And then I have my younger brother, Matteo, and he's also a man of God, but he kind of likes to challenge that authority, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, so, like, as the middle child, I'm constantly, like, between, like, World War III going on, between these, like, two. Like, it goes from, like, a cologne spray battle. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I'm not making stuff up. It's, like, cologne battles. It's, like, at one point, like, Mateo's grabbing, like, a clothes hanger, hitting my boy, like, on, like, a toenail. Have y'all ever had that happen to you? That hurts uh, okay yeah uh, you feel me like there's a constant tension and my job as the middle child in, in this world war three action going on is like it's like how do i like separate this like constant attack without getting my own toenails like cut off from this hanger like you know what i'm saying like without getting spread by this nasty axe spray that's going on no offense to y'all who use axe but stop okay you know what i'm saying so <laughs> all my adults said amen <laughs> but there's this constant tension and as a middle child, I, I often was given the term peacemaker. <laughs> has, has anyone ever gotten the term peacemaker attributed to their name? Yeah, well, blessed are you, for they will be called the children of God. He's talking to the middle children, right? Right? No, but to be honest, like, this is what Jesus is, is talking about. He was talking and addressing a people who were no strangers to tension. Uh, you know, Jesus is really talking to Israel, and he's talking to a group of people whose very history was, was really back and forth between liberty and exile. So here's what I'm talking about. We're going to do a little, little biblical history lesson. So, I mean, we have the people of God, the Israelites, right? And they're taken captive by the Egyptians. And so there's this one guy named Moses who leads them out of Egyptian captivity through the... The Red Sea, that's right, Bible training, so stay with me. So, so they walk through, you know, like the Red Sea, and then when Moses, well, then, then there's the 40 years in the wilderness because people of Israel took some L's, you know what I'm saying? And so, and, and then after Moses came the new leader of Israel, who, his name was, <laughs> whose name was, oh boy, Pastor David, let's do an Old Testament series after this, okay? <laughs> Beatitudes are fun and everything, but we got we to gotta get to the Old Testament, all right? And then so then... Then we go to Joshua and, you know, he takes them over the Jordan, there's Jericho. They take the promised land, but then after they take the promised land, so, some kind of what I would call a cycle begins to take place. And the cycle starts with the people of Israel getting real comfortable, getting real comfortable, and they begin to compromise the law, the law that God had set before them. They begin to compromise, and after their compromise comes captivity. Now that's a tweetable quote right there. After compromise comes captivity, you know what I'm talking about? So that's, that's not what I'm preaching on, that's not what I'm preaching on. So the people of Israel compromise, they're taken captive by, you name it, like the Babylonians, the Egyptians, like the Assyrians, we got, we're talking about the Persians, like they're constantly in this cycle of compromise, captivity, they call out for deliverance, God in his mercy saves them every time. But then they go right back into that cycle after their deliverance. You guys kind of see in the patterns like compromise, captivity, repentance, deliverance. But this happens over and over again. And the whole story of the Old Testament is the people of God always in tension and under exile. And so now Jesus is speaking to the people of Israel who are under Roman oppression. Roman oppression. And now unlike most of these empires, you know, kind of ingratiate the Israelites, now we're talking about the Romans who, the Romans' sole job and the way that they um, owned their property, it was, it was dominance by oppression. It was dominance by intimidation. In, in fact, they would, they would torture and crucify people who tried to rebel against them to make a signal like, hey, 
You mess with us, you get crucified. And so the Israelites are so used to, to this kind of cycle of the Romans always oppressing them by dominance, by intimidation. Is anyone distracted by the lights right now? Okay, cool. I'm seeing like all these like heads turning. That's all right. Hey, we're high schoolers so we can focus. So it's all good. We're, we're safe here. We're safe here. It's all right. So, so this is the audience that Jesus is talking to. People who are constantly at tension. Constantly needing to find peace in their situation. The call to be a peacemaker was actually kind of outlandish from Jesus' perspective. And from the people's perspective. Because you're saying, Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers. Like, with these Roman psychos, like, I don't think so. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make peace with them. I'm trying to just survive my way out of here. Now, I'm saying all that to say to put that scripture in context, but I want to personalize it here in America because how many of you would agree that there might be some tension, some hostility, even some division in America today? For those hands that didn't go up, I would maybe push back in that argument a little bit and say, well, have we looked at the politics recently? Like, like literally here in America, sometimes it feels like you're defined, like, are you Republican or Democrat? Like, you know, like, what do you believe? There's a constant, there's constant tension about issues like, like abortion, homosexuality, immigration. Like, there's so many things that divide and it caused two different parties to, to wage World War III almost literally. And I think we can, we can make that a social thing, but we could even bring it to the church level. And say that there's division. How many of you all would agree with me on that sometimes? I mean, it, it hurts my heart when I, when I look online or when, when I see the news about how many denominations there are just in Christianity. If we didn't think the call and the mandate to be peacemakers was a big deal, I would open your eyes to the world around you. I would open your eyes to see even just what's going on at your school. And maybe for some of you, you don't have, even have to leave your home to see tension, to see the need for peace to enter a situation. See, it's hard to read about the words of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, and think that doesn't apply to us today. Y'all feeling me on that? It's, it's hard to say that the Bible is not relevant. But I want, I want to zoom in a little bit. So he says, blessed are the peacemakers. So what is Jesus talking about, like the peacemakers? Is it like middle child syndrome where you're just like separating them out and hope you don't like get hit? No, there's actually a little bit more to it than that. Here's the, the definition of peacemaker. If we looked at the Greek word for this, for peacemaker, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I can't. <laughs> so the definition of peacemaker, one who restores peace. Everyone say peace. Real good. It's like it says the word in the definition. That's cool. One who restores peace and reconciliation. Everyone say reconciliation. Between persons and even nations. This is the definition. One who restores peace and reconciliation. There is a restorative work in bringing peace. There's a restorative work in bringing reconciliation. And so this is what Jesus is saying. You as the people of God, your calling and your job and your mandate is to bring peace. To bring reconciliation. To restore peace. And like I said, this applies to today. Because how many of y'all would, would say that maybe your school needs a little bit of peace? Come on. Come on, how many of you would even say, you don't have to raise your hands for this, but how many of you would say, man, my home needs some peace right now. You don't have to raise, you can, you can raise your hands if you want, we can be real here. There's a need for peace. But, but here's my question to you, DSM. We, we can hear about this mandate, we can, we can really stop the sermon, like, right here and just say, okay, like, I gotta go bring peace, okay. Like, peace, peace over me, and then you just, like, try to go out there. But I think the reason why there's such a lack of peace is because of this simple concept. I need you guys to hear this and maybe even write this down. You can't give 
what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So here's my question to you. How are you going to be a peacemaker and come and bring peace to your school or peace to your home, but there's no peace on the inside of you? Like, what's your plan for that? What's your plan to bring peace to your sibling or to your friend that's really struggling right now? How are you going to bring peace if peace is not first alive and well in you? DSM, write this down. You can't give what you don't have. Samuel, I can't give you a sandwich unless I have a sandwich to give you. I, like, I can't give you, like, you look hungry, so. Uh, <laughs> you always look hungry. No, I'm <laughs> I, can't, I can't bring you a glass of water if, I, if my cup is empty. Are you always catching this? You can't give what you don't have, DSM. So, so if we follow this train of thought, then it leads us to the question, how do I attain peace? Because how many of y'all know, it, it might be easy to kind of get peace or kind of feel like, hey, I'm feeling better after coming to DSM, but how many of y'all know Thursday morning comes quick, Thursday morning comes hard, you go back to school and it's like, where was that peace that I felt during worship? Or like, 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 well, how do I get back the peace that I had, you know, that Sunday morning, right? Like, like, where is that on Monday afternoon, like, during PE when I'm trying to, like, just run a mile? Like, where is that peace? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, you feel me? Like, when the cardio's kicking in. But, like, I'm being serious though. Like, where do you find peace? Where do you find it? How do you find it? And maybe some of us are asking, well, how do I, like, acquire it? How do I grab it? How do I attain it? And here's the great news. You can. You can't grab peace. You can't attain peace. You can't scratch and claw your way to peace. Because peace is not some kind of concept or idea. Peace is not something you can just grab and attain and just hold on to tightly. No, peace is a person. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So there's three main points I need us to catch tonight. So if you have your phone, I want you to take notes on this because I guarantee whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or maybe you're just getting to know him, or you're even in this place, and this whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing is not for you, well, I can tell you this, you still need peace. You still need peace. I don't care who you are. I, I don't know your story, but I know you have one. And I know that all of us look for peace. All of us look for peace. What separates most of us, though, is where we look to get it. So I have three points that I want us to hit really clearly. I don't want us to get this twisted. Here we go. Point number one, peace recognizes God as source. Peace recognizes God as source. Write that down. Peace recognizes God as source. What I mean by that is that you and I don't create and you and I don't manufacture peace. We can't like create peace out of nothing. What I'm, what I'm suggesting to you today, DSM, is that God in his very essence is peace. Like, you know, I don't know how many of y'all grew up learning the fruits of the Spirit, right? Like you compare like love with an apple, like joy with an orange. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. Peace. And so if we say God is love, or God is good, or God is kind, or if God is faithful, then that would lead us to the conclusion that God is peace. God is peace. And I even want to back this up further in scripture. If we run to Psalm 29 11, you don't have to go there, but just write that down. Psalm 29 11. I'm not here to hype you up. I'm here to give you the word of God tonight. Psalm 29 11. Read this. The Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with peace. 
The Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with peace. It doesn't say, you know, the Lord holds peace over here and you try to grab it. No, the Lord gives peace. He blesses his people with peace. Even in Isaiah, Jesus is identified as the prince of peace. Are you guys with me? Or as Pastor Tim would say, are you tracking with me? All right, here we go. Come on. And so Jesus is called the prince of peace. And this is, this is the one I want you to catch right here. John 16, 33. And I want you guys to read it up here on the screen out loud. One, two, three. I have told you. I've told you these things so that in your effort you may have peace. Or um, maybe not that one. I have told you these things um, so that by your achievement you may have peace. Nope. I've told you these things so that in the perfect relationship, you'll have peace. No. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace recognizes God as source. Genuine peace recognizes God as source. Everyone say, he's the source. Here's what I'm, and I want to I reiterate this. We do not create our own peace. The worst thing that we could do in this message is hear it and then walk out of this place saying, okay, so I need to go find my peace. Or I need to go manufacture my peace. I need to go find a way to like make it happen. No, no, no. We don't find peace in any relationship. We will not find any peace that lasts over a substance. We will not even find peace over achievements or doing the right things. And I'm speaking from experience of someone who has looked for peace in achievement. Someone who thought, okay, if I can just do all the right things, I'll be fine. I'll finally have that peace. But how many of you all know perfectionism will not bring you peace? And I know that's for someone in here tonight. You can't seem to find peace because you can never seem to do enough right things to get that, that approval of that person. I know there's someone in here that needs to hear that tonight. Peace recognizes God as the source. Here's the second thing. Peace recognizes God as Lord. Peace recognizes God as Lord. Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and minds. Since as members of one body you're called to peace. And I love the word choice that Paul uses here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That means that the peace of God directs your decisions. It directs your thoughts. You see, you and I can act as, as anxiety as our directive. Or insecurity ruling our hearts and minds and that's how we act. But how many of y'all know our behaviors have roots? You guys tracking with me? Like our behaviors come from somewhere. And so if insecurity is going to be our root, then we're going to act out of insecurity. But if it is the peace of God that rules over your heart, then you walk in peace. You talk with peace. You live your life confident and assured of his peace. Let the peace of Christ rule over your heart. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, I love this. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. The Lord of peace. Once again, this is God as the source of peace. He is the Lord of peace. Now you guys can fight me on this. You guys can disagree with me on this. But here's the thing. And I would make this, I would make this argument. That anxiety 
and peace are actually really similar. And here's what I mean by that. And that sounds crazy. Here's what I mean by that. Anxiety and peace both put someone or something on a throne. But the question is, what or who is on that throne? So if I come here on the anxiety, on the anxiety side and I find my peace in what my friends think of me. Or I put my peace in, in, a, in a substance or a product, something I can kind of get my hands on. Or, or I find peace in what I'm able to do or what I'm able to achieve. You know where that leads? That leads to anxiety. That leads to anxiety because we, that putting your, that, that thing or that person on the throne of your heart, all of a sudden you're on shaky ground and shaky foundation. And I'm not bringing up some concept or idea because I know each and every one of us have felt this before at one point or another. I know that. I know that. Some of us have put, you know, our achievements on the throne of our hearts. If I can just achieve, I'll be fine. If I can just get the approval of that person, I'll be okay. I'll have that peace that I've been looking for. Anxiety puts something on a throne. Anxiety puts either ourselves, another person, or something, some object, some substance on the throne. But I would contrast that with peace. Peace puts someone on a throne, but it is not anyone that is finite. It's someone that's infinite. The transcending God. The creator God. The ever-present God. And here's the big news about this. Here's the big deal behind this. is because if we can put, uh, if we can as peace recognize that, that God is Lord, if peace recognizes God as Lord, then your peace is no longer anchored in things that can change. Your peace is no longer anchored in a person that can turn their back on you the next day. Your peace is no longer anchored in something that can end in a day. Nothing in this world lasts forever. Nothing in this world is everlasting. The person that you just care so much about, like, I just desperately need their approval. I could just get them to look at me. I'll be okay. No, no, no. Th that person, this earth, and the things under the sun don't last we put peace, recognizing that God is Lord, we can't be shaken. We can't be shaken. Peace recognizes God as source. Peace recognizes God as Lord. And here's the third one. I need you to write this down. Peace recognizes God as Father. Peace recognizes God as Father. Can I have the worship team come up? how the worship team come up. A lot of us grew up with, you know, the story in Matthew 6, right? You know how, how, you know, the father's eyes are on the sparrows and on the lilies. And if he cares for that, then he cares for you too. And I think we kind of dismiss that just because we've heard it so many times. Or that just seems like too good to be true. But here's the reality. We can recognize, and I need you guys to look at me for this. Focus in on this. We can recognize God as source. And we can even recognize God as Lord, but if we don't know that he's Father, then that means the peace is no longer available to us. Because God could be source and God could be Lord and he could just hold it over you. He could just hold it over you like, oh yeah, I have peace, I am peace, but, but you'll have to do something to get it. <laughs> if God isn't Father, that's the case. But if we recognize and we see God as Father, then all of a sudden that story and that that idea in Matthew 6 that if his eyes are on the sparrow, if he cares for the sparrows, if he cares for the lilies, how much more does he care for you? I'm here to tell you 
DSM look at me, the Father longs to give you peace. He has seen you up at night, tossing and turning. He has seen you look in every direction, and I mean every direction, to find peace through some kind of person, through some kind of substance. God has seen it. There's nothing that hurts his heart more because he literally has the peace that you're looking for and he desires to give it to you. He's a father. He's not just a king with something to give us, but he's a father who desperately longs to give you his peace. And that's not just something I'm making up, but if if we look in the scripture, John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Now that's a great scripture, but I want it, I want it to land right here and right now for you. Because the context of that scripture is Jesus promising his disciples that, yes, I'm about to die and I'm about to rise again and I'm about to, to leave you, but I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. Father longs to give you peace through the Holy Spirit. And I just know we have some people in here that the Holy Spirit is just this mystical thing that doesn't make sense. And and I'm not really here to convince you that the Holy Spirit is real. But what I can tell you is that if you say, come, Holy Spirit, watch God fill your life with peace. Watch Him do it. I've seen Him do it. I want to be clear with what I'm talking about here is that I understand that there are some people in here with maybe like a medical issue of anxiety like this isn't just like like me being emotional but like this is like a genuine like medical problem that I have and I'm not here to discredit like any like therapists or counselors who give you you know practical things to do or practical steps to walk through I'm not saying any of that is not worth it I believe that there are tangible steps we can take to learn how to walk in peace all I'm doing here is addressing the root issue Addressing the root issue of anxiety, addressing the root of why it seems that you and I can't seem to find peace. It's because we don't see God as the source of our peace. We see ourselves as the source of our peace. And and we we don't have peace in our lives because we don't see Him as Lord. It's like sure God is the source of my peace, but but I have to I have to be in control of my situation for me to have peace. No. I want to read the scripture over you to to know that once again, this is not me throwing you my ideas or or my concepts of God, but this is straight from scripture. So I want you to do this. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to hear this verse. It's from the prophet Isaiah. Straight from the mouth of God. This is Isaiah prophesying over Israel. In In the context, keep your eyes closed. The context of this scripture is that Israel is in a moment of tension, just like we were talking about earlier. Israel's in a moment of tension. A moment where they're at a crossroads. They don't know what to do. Desperately looking for hope. Desperately looking for peace. Man, does that relate with anyone tonight? This is what Isaiah prophesies. Straight from the Father. Though the mountains be shaken, 
hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Nor my covenant of peace removed. Says the Lord, who has compassion on me. Keep your eyes closed. I want to read that again over you. This is from the Father speaking to his children right now. He's speaking to you. This isn't my idea of what God said. This is what the Father has literally said from his word to you. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Nor my covenant of peace be removed. Says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Yes, if you can open your eyes, I want you to look at me. We are to fulfill our call that Jesus has placed on our lives to be peacemakers. We've got to see God as our source. We've got to see God as the friend. We've got to know God as Father. There's no other way. There's no other way. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give. I'm convinced of this, that in a city full of young men and young women committing suicide, confused of what gender they are, students with broken and hurting families, a city full of young men and young women running to substances or sexual images. hand on their life, confident in God as their source of peace, confident in God as Lord over their lives and their situations, and confident that He is a Father who cares. And I see young men and young women walking in the halls of their school, and the people around them say, what is with that person? What is with that person? There is a peace. What do they have? I need that. I want that. One of the greatest witnesses you and I will have of the gospel are to be young men and young women that walk in peace. Some of you are going home tonight to a family situation that needs peace. Your greatest witness to your family is to approach that sibling, to approach that parent. talking about just this like like this weird kung fu like inward peace thing like this calm thing no 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 but actually if we look at, at the Greek and in the original language we looked at the word 
isn't just a thing that calms us down or makes us like emotionless, gives us like a blank face. No, no, no. When I'm talking about peace, I'm talking about wholeness. Spirit, mind, and body. Remember how we were talking about peacemakers, someone who restores peace and restores reconciliation? I would like to suggest to you that Jesus is our peacemaker. He restores peace and He restores reconciliation until we are brought in to wholeness. That's the word of God for you today. I want to do something different that maybe a lot of us have never even done before. We're going to sit in silence for a few moments. I'm not going to tell you how long just for a few moments because I can talk to you about peace and you can, you can try and hype yourself up with peace and, and try to leave, okay, I got peace, I got peace, I got peace but this isn't about you getting peace, this is about you locking eyes with the source, with the Lord and with your Father because if you lock eyes with God as your source, lock eyes with God as your Lord and lock eyes with God as your Father, then you all of a sudden are carrying a peace that can't be shaken and that cannot be moved, that no person, no situation, no loss, no pain can take away. So I want to be really clear, in this moment of silence, we are here to do business with God. We are not here to hype ourselves up. We're not here to leave with some kind of feeling. We are here tonight to encounter and to meet So here's what I want us to do. I want us just to be still. And I want you to listen. If you need to close your eyes, if you need to get on your knees, if you need to spread out, I'm going to trust you to do that. Just kind of get situated for a second. Once you're at that spot, I want you just to take a deep breath real quick. And just say these three simple words. Then we're just going to spend time in silence. I want you to out loud and verbally say, come, Holy Spirit, go. Now be still before.
those things. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in uproar. When he utters his voice, and the earth melts. <laughs> the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Please let us see this tonight. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. Breaks the bow. Shatters the spear. Burns the shields with fire. Summarize that and say that God is our defender. And here's what just happened. Psalm 4610. Be still. this room. Can you stand with me? And I want us to do something different. We have just a few minutes left in the service, so I want you just to stay engaged with me. I'm going to ask us to do something we haven't done in a while that might be really uncomfortable for some of us, but I want us to pack up here. Everybody. I don't care usually where you, where you usually worship. I want everyone up here, up front. We're going to come in real close. There's a reason for this, but I want you to come in real close. Real close. Yeah. Okay, so would you know that God is your source? He is Lord. He is Father. For those of you who need peace tonight, know that you don't have to earn it, that you don't have to scratch and claw for it. For peace does not come from you and your efforts, but peace comes from the Lord. Peace recognizes God as source. Peace recognizes God as Lord. For those of you struggling with peace, you don't have to be Lord you don't have to sit on the throne anymore. And that might sound scary to you at first, but I promise you, that is the best news you'll ever hear. It's not on you. And DSM, look at me. For those of you who need peace tonight, God is Lord. 
46 is a present help. He's not a distant help waiting for you to come over. No, he is a present help. He's close tonight. He's a father that's close. And so here's the reason why we're all up here tonight. Is we're going to finish out singing a song that we all know. It says, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. Now, I want to be really clear before we sing this. This is not singing about us. Okay, I am a child of God, so I'm going to go get my peace. No. Because you're a child of God, you recognize God as source. And because you're children of God, you recognize Him as Lord. And because you're His children, you recognize Him as Father. Children of God know that they're okay with their dependence on the Father. It'd be crazy for a 10-year-old to try and be the breadwinner for the house or, or an 8-year-old to try to pay the bills, right? No, a child is comfortable. A child takes rest and assurance that their Father not only sees them, not only knows them, but protects them, provides so as we're singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. We're not singing really about ourselves, but because we're singing that we are children of God, that actually means we're proclaiming our dependence on Him as source, as Lord, and as Father. If I'm saying it too much, it's on purpose. I want this to sink in. I want this to sink in. He is source. He is Lord. And He is Father. So let's sing our way into trust today. Let's sing and declare who he is together, DSM. Come on, let's sing.